Hey, um, just a couple of things I want to mention. Don't forget to come tonight. It's going to be a great night. I'm sure many of you know, but I was born in the Philippines. So um, I'm feeling a bit of ownership to this night. The Philippines is coming to Church Unlimited, and um, I'm excited for that. So do join us tonight. It's going to be fun. Also, if you are um, interested... Take five. No, I think I'm. Should we switch? Okay. Is it gonna? Can you just um, say hello to your neighbour while I just take my head mic off? <laughs> Have to leave it on, and now I messed up my hair. Ah, honestly. <laughs> Um, now I've lost my focus. If you are keen to do an internship um, at all next year, then we do have an internship program. Um, we would love to hear from you, so you can contact us at the church office or put your name at the info desk and um, have an exciting year ahead being part of our team. So if that's something you're interested in, we have a couple of options, um, one that's accredited and uh, another sort of more voluntary, casual basis. So do find out if that's something that interests you. Uh, we'd love for you to join us with that. And the final thing I just want to mention is it's been so good having this all-in series and all-in focus. And um, I don't know about you, but it's just inspired me. I think what I love about it is that it works. You know, the more we're all in, the more our faith works, the more it makes sense, the more God begins to speak to us, the more things work out. And it's just awesome to be reminded of that, be inspired of it, have keys to help us. And then kind of to top everything off, last Sunday night, if you were here, we had an amazing hour of power service. Like it was actually amazing. Um, it's one that I feel like we haven't had one like that for a long time. There was such a presence of God, such a breakthrough anointing as we prayed. And there were times where we would just begin to um, lift up a shout to God and it would just go on and on and on. And it was just like God was there. Um, but the thing is, I guess for me, it just created a hunger. And I went away from that thinking, I don't want that to be it. I want that in my own life. I want that in my own prayer time. I want that every Sunday when I come, and it comes down to our hunger. So I want to encourage you, if you were part of that, then let's pursue that. And if you weren't, pursue it anyway, because God will give us the desires of our heart. If we pursue Him, if we want more of Him, then we're going to get that. So anyway, all in. Let's keep on being all in. Uh, but this morning, I'm going to take a little bit of a different track, and I'm going to look at the book of Psalms. And don't worry, I'm not going to look at all 150 books, otherwise we'd be here all, all day and all week. <laughs> I'm just going to look at Psalm 121. But I wonder, do we have any book lovers in the house? Have we got any bookworms? I am a bit of a bookworm, and you know what? I love a good novel. If you give me a bit of mystery, a bit of suspense, chuck in a bit of romance, oh, I'm gone. I'm gone. And my friend gave me a novel the other week, and honestly, I so enjoyed it. Every night we went to the bed, I'd say to Sam, oh, I'm just going to finish the end of the chapter. And then like one hour later, I finally turned my light off because I just wanted to finish it, and I really enjoyed it. Give me a good book any day over a movie or a TV program. But, you know, I've often prayed that God would give me that same love that I have for a novel, for his word, for this book. Because unlike a novel, which is just a good time passer, this book 
book is revelation. This book is life-changing. This book has strength. It has hope. It has wisdom. It has all we need. This book is the key to our relationship with God. It's our connection with Him, and we need to have a love for it like no other book. And so this morning, let's have a look at the Psalms. And just to give you a bit of an overview... I think Psalms is one of those books that God wants us to pay attention to. It is a real unique book. It's very different from the rest of the Bible. It's the longest book by a long way. And it's the middle book, the central book. It has the longest chapter, Psalm 119. It has the shortest chapter, Psalm 117. And it has the middle verse of the Bible. How many want to know what that is? It is Psalm 103, verse 1. Brendan actually said verse 2, which is very similar. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. The New Living Translation says it like this. Let all that I am praise the Lord. With my whole heart, I will praise his holy name. And, you know, I think that verse is uh, in the middle for a reason. I think it's significant because in the middle of our lives, when things are tough, when things are tricky, we've got to keep on blessing the Lord with all that is within us, praising his holy name. Um, Psalms is, what else have I got about Psalms? It's broken into five books, and there's a slide that you'll be able to see. It's got a b- bunch of different themes that runs through it, and it relates to some of the New Testament, uh, some of the Old Testament books as well. There's a whole heap of information that you can do more research on if you're interested. But, you know, as we're talking about Psalms, I'm sure that there's a bunch of them going through your head right now. We all have Psalms that we know and that we love. Some of them might be Psalm 37:4, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Or Psalm 27, 1, the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? Psalm 37, 24, though they stumble, they will never fall, for the Lord holds them by the hand. My personal favorite is Psalm 55, 22, cast all your cares on the Lord, for he cares for you. And then there's Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And we heard a great message on that a couple of Sundays ago by David Peters. Or what about Psalm 139, 13 and 14? For you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb, I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. So many Psalms, so many wonderful verses. It is the most loved, the most memorized, the most well-known book of the Bible. And it is the most quoted as well. Uh, in the New Testament, the, the Psalms is quoted more than any other book. And the other thing that I love about Psalms is that it, um, it's very unique because it doesn't just relate, uh, tell us how to relate. Uh, sorry, I'm going to start again. There's a quote about that that I'm actually going to read. Um, someone said that Psalms is unique because while the rest of the Bible speaks to us, Psalms speaks for us. And I really love that. It's so true. Do you know that practically every emotion we feel is in Psalms? You can turn to the Psalms and you can find joy and you can find hope and you can find comfort. You can find strength. You can look and you can see anger and frustration and despair and depression and discouragement. It's all within Psalms. But what I love about it, especially with Psalms that David has written, is no matter what he's feeling, he might have a good vent to God and he might say, hey, kill those enemies and smite them and get rid of them. 
but he still ends with, but bless the Lord, you know, or but uh, I love you, Lord, or whatever it might be. And it's just, it's a great book to learn some vocabulary to speak to God. Sometimes we think we can't talk to him about that kind of emotion or those feelings. Actually, we can. And as we look to this book, it gives us a way of worshiping him through it, of um, you know, maybe taking our situation and saying, God, here it is, and I want to be honest about it, but Lord, I still praise you. I still bless you. There's a rawness, there's a realness about Psalms that is awesome. And so I want to encourage you, the next time you read a Psalm, you know, really read it. Take note of the emotion in it. Um, Worship it, sing it, pray it, and find God's promise for you in it. But this morning, we're going to have a look at Psalm 121. So we're going to read it. It says this, I look up to the mountains. Does my help come from there? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let you stumble. The one who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel never slumbers or sleeps. The Lord himself watches over you. The Lord stands beside you as your protective shade. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon at night. The Lord keeps you from all harm and watches over your life. The Lord keeps watch over you as you come and as you go, both now and forevermore. Let's just take a moment to pray. Lord, we just thank you for your words to us. We thank you for the Psalms and we thank you of how they can speak to us and they can help us speak to you as well. Holy Spirit, we just invite you with us today. Would you come? Would you speak words of life, words of comfort, words of hope? In Jesus' name, amen. Well, there is a lot in this psalm that we could get out of, but today I want to look at three things that I've got out of this psalm as I've read it and as I've studied it. And so we're going to start at the beginning. And the first verse says, I look up to the mountains. Does my help come from there? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. You know, Psalm 121 is a part of a group of psalms called the Ascent Psalms. And they were psalms that were written by pilgrims or travelers who were journeying most likely to Jerusalem. And as they were journeying, they would sing these psalms and they would pray these psalms. And um, so this is one of them. The pilgrim was on his way to Jerusalem. And as he was going, you know, this is a long journey ahead. It's probably exhausting. It's probably full of hardships. The weather might have been a concern. Maybe he was concerned about wild animals or thugs and thieves or treacherous terrain. I don't know what was on his mind, but there was a lot to be concerned about. But as he travels, he lifts his eyes and he looks to these magnificent mountains and he thinks, wow, these mountains are amazing. But he suddenly stops and he has this epiphany. He realizes that as mighty and as powerful and amazing as these mountains are, his help doesn't come from the mountains. His help comes from the maker of the mountains. His gaze didn't stop as he lifted it up to the hills and to those mountains, but it went beyond them to the maker of those mountains. And that's the first thing that I get out of this psalm, is that for each one of us in life, it is so important that we always look to the creator and not the created. But it's hard. It's so hard. It's so easy to look to the things around us, to the people around us, to the created. I know for myself, if I'm going through a difficult time, if I've got a struggle, my first turn to is Sam. You know, I turn to my husband, and, and then I turn to my family and my friends, and food is not far um, down the list. I turn to food pretty fast. 
and a church of shopping. And all these things are good. They're God-given things. They're things that are going to help me get through. But if that's where my focus is, if that's where my trust is, then I'm in trouble. Because ultimately, these people and these things, at some point, are going to let me down. At some point, are going to disappoint me. At some point, they might even hurt me. They might um, not point me in the right direction. We must always keep our eyes on our Creator, on the, on the one who made those around us, on the one who made those good things in our lives. You know, the problem is when we look to people, and if you've been in church circles for a while, you'll see this. Um, sometimes people, they so look to the pastor or to the pastors or to prominent people in the church, right? But eventually that person is only human, so they will make a mistake and they will mess up and they'll do something wrong or they'll cause an offense. And if your eyes are too much fixed on the person, you get disillusioned. And I've seen it too many times, you know, people lose their faith because their faith was too much on a man and not on the maker of the man. We've got to put our hope in God. Um, you know, we need to be like the wise and the foolish builder that we read about in Matthew 7, 23 and 24, and, and God's sharing a parable, and he says, you know, if you listen to my words and you hear them, you're like the wise man who builds his house on the rock, and when the storm comes and the rain blows and the wind beats against that house, it doesn't fall, it stands firm. But if our house is built on the sand, then as the rain comes and the storm comes in and the wind beats against that house, it comes down with a crash. We've got to always make sure that our creator, our focus on our creator is our rock and our foundation. Just like Sam talked about in his message, we've got to have that God rock at the very essence of who we are as our cornerstone. And we've got to build everything around that foundation. And everything else can be like the sand on top of that rock. But then when the storm does come, if the sand blows away, it's going to be okay because our foundation is still strong. We still have that rock. You know, ultimately, the only person that can really help me get through in life is not people, but it's God. God's the only one that can turn my circumstances and situations around. God's the one with the power to give me a breakthrough. God's the one that can help me change, that can help me see things differently. And sometimes I think about it like this. You know, if you've got a product that you're not happy with and you want a refund or you want something fixed or a discount, whatever it might be, what do you do? You go straight to the top, right? You bypass all the salespeople and you ask to speak to the manager and you talk to him because you know that he has the power to make the decisions. He has the power to give you that discount or whatever it is that you're wanting. And it's the same with God. We've got to go straight to the top. He has the power. He can change our circumstances. He can change our situations. The other thing that I love about this pilgrim is he realizes that as he is on his journey, although he is journeying to Jerusalem, probably to worship God and to meet with God, and God's going to be there in Jerusalem, he realizes that as he's on his journey and as he looks to those mountains, that God is with him right now. He's with him as he is journeying. And I think that's a real great point because so often in life we think, oh, you know, God is with me when I pray. God is with me when I'm reading this book. God is definitely with me when I'm at church. Maybe God will be with me when I finally, you know, get those disciplines sorted or whatever it might be. But actually, we forget that God is with us now. He's with us in 
everything and anything. He's with us when we're driving. He's with us when we're eating. He's with us if we're arguing. He's with us as we're working. Whatever we're doing, wherever we're at, whether we're high or low, we're connected, we feel like connected with God or not, He is still with us. He's with us in our journey, in our journey as much as He is in the destination. So look to the Creator and not to the created. All right, let's move on. How many of you have trouble going to sleep? Anybody? Yeah, I do. Um, don't you feel jealous of those people that can just put their head on the pillow and they're out? Man, I think how much easier would life be if I could just lie down on the bed and boom, I'm asleep. But it doesn't happen that way. Like I'm thinking about things. I'm planning things. I'm, I'm worrying about things. I'm trying to fix things in my sleep. And then you have all these weird dreams. And anyway, um, that might be just me. But, you know, these things, it keeps us awake. And there's a couple of quotes that I really like. Um, the first one is, is it going to come up? Dear sleep, I know we had problems when we were younger, but I love you now. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? Like kids, they don't want to sleep. Adults, we love our sleep. I like the next one. Do you know that awesome feeling when you get into bed, fall right to sleep, stay asleep all night and wake up feeling refreshed? Yeah, me neither. That's a mum conversation. There's another quote that says, laugh and the whole world laughs with you, snore and you sleep alone. <laughs> and while we're being honest, how many of you, you get into bed at night and you think, right, better do some Bible reading. You pick up the Bible or you pick up your phone and, and you're lying in bed and you're reading, reading, you're into it and then don't. It hits you in the face and you've dozed off. Come on. Come on. It's not just me. <laughs> well, um, I was listening to a Joyce Meyer message the other day, and she was saying, you know, when we're really down and we're struggling and we're finding things hard, we're weighed down with all this stuff, she said, you know, sometimes we just need a couple of good nights sleep and a couple of good meals. And I think there's some truth in that. Sometimes life seems terrible, and it can be. I'm not trying to minimize it. But a good sleep goes a long way. You know, they say a good night's sleep is vital to our emotional well-being and physical health. It's not just a good idea, it's actually a necessity. And while I'm saying this, like I am hopeless in this area, I love the nighttime hours and I really struggle to go to bed in time to get enough sleep to wake up the next morning in a good mood. But, um, you know, so I'm working on this one. But do you know there's so many benefits to having a good night's sleep? And I'm sure you're all aware of them, but I'm going to give you a couple anyway. It helps reduce stress. It can improve your memory. So Brendan, he needs a good night's sleep to improve his memory. Uh, it can lower your blood pressure. It helps you maintain your weight. Puts you in a better mood. How true is that? It um, keeps your heart healthy. It can be a painkiller. And I love this last one. It can make you smarter. Sleep can make you smarter. So I need to put this into action. But anyway, um, if we know it's so important, how come it's so hard to achieve, right? Sometimes it's just not that easy. Well, this psalm actually gives us a key to sleep. In verse 3 and 4, it says, The one who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel never slumbers or sleeps. The second thing that we get out of this psalm and that can really help us is that God is always awake. And if God is always awake, then I think it's safe to say that it's okay for us to go to sleep. It's okay for us to leave our worry, to leave our stress, to leave our anxiety, to turn off that mind, give it to God, and say, okay, God, it's okay to go to sleep. There's a couple of quotes from Christine Kane that I love. She said, it's going to be okay. Close those eyes. Stop that mind. 
Say your prayers. Sleep peacefully. God is working on your behalf. God is working for you tonight. Heaven is holding conversations about you. Angels have been assigned to you. Be at peace. Isn't that awesome? Sometimes when I struggle to sleep, I claim that verse, Psalm 127, verse 2. It says, he gives his beloved sleep. Or the message translation says, don't you know he enjoys giving rest to those he loves? And I say to God, God, I'm your beloved. Please give me sleep tonight. And I think adding this thought in that, okay, God, if you are awake, I can go to sleep. I want you to turn to your neighbor and tell them this. Say, you can go to sleep because God is awake. But not now. Not now. Stay awake until the end of church, and then you can do that. (laughs) There's a story of a poor woman that was told, and she came to the sultan of the land, and she asked for compensation for the loss of some property. How did you lose it, said the sultan. I fell asleep, was the reply, and a robber entered my dwelling. Well, why did you fall asleep, asked the sultan. The woman replied, I fell asleep because I believed that you were awake. And they say that the sultan was so delighted in her answer that he ordered her compensation for the land that she lost. And, you know, she thought she could go to sleep because the sultan was awake and watching over the land. And the thing is, that's the same with God. He actually is awake. He is awake 24-7. He holds the world in his hands, and it's not going to crumble because God falls asleep. No, he never slumbers, and he never sleeps. You know, there's a story in 1 Kings 18 that I really like. It's of the prophet Elijah, and um, there's been a famine in the land. It hasn't rained for three and a half years. And so God comes to Elijah, and he speaks to him, and he says, Hey, I want you to call Ahab, King Ahab, and call all the prophets of Baal, and have a meeting on Mount Carmel. So he did that. He called them all together. And then he said to them, he said, I'm the only prophet of God left in this place, and you have 450 prophets of Baal, and so this is what we're going to do. I want you guys to get two bulls, and and we're going to each build an altar, and we're going to chop up that bull and make a sacrifice, but we're not going to put fire under the altar. And we're going to call on our God, and whoever's God answers by fire, that's the one true living God. And so all the people thought, yeah, that's a great idea. So they said, yep, that's good. So away they went. So these prophets, they, they prepared, the prophets of Baal prepared their altar, and um, you know they started calling out to Baal, and they were crying out to him, and they were cutting themselves, and they're dancing, and doing everything they they can, but everything was silent. There was no answer. And I love this. In verse 27, um, in verse 27, Elijah, it says this, and so it was at noon, and then Elijah mocked them, and he said, cry aloud, for he is a God. Either he's meditating, or he must be busy, or he's on a journey, or perhaps he's sleeping and must be awakened. And so they cried out louder, they prophesied harder, they did all they could, but nothing. And then, of course, Elijah, he prepares his sacrifice. He prepares the altar. He even pours water all over and all around the altar. And as soon as he calls on the name of the Lord, God answers by fire. The fire comes down, consumes the sacrifice, consumes the wood, consumes the altar. And everyone falls to their knees and says, that's the one true God. But, you know, I love that. He mocks them. He mocks Baal. And he says, oh, maybe he's asleep. Maybe he's on a journey. But you know what? Our God, he's never asleep. He is always awake. He is always working. And we can trust him. Even when we're asleep, he's still working on our behalf. Someone said this, we can face life's issues with confidence because God is always on the job. He never falls asleep on the job. He never abandons his post. He never grows tired or weary. 
the great creator of the universe personally watches over his own. Look to the creator and not the created and know that we can go to sleep in peace because God is still awake. The third thing out of the psalm this morning, and it's found really more in the last half of the psalm, is that it promises that God will watch over us, that he's a protective shade. The sun or the moon will not harm us. In fact, the Lord will keep us from all harm and watch over us both now and forevermore. And what a wonderful promise that is. And we can hold on to that promise. But as much as I would like to tell you that that means that you are in for a nice, easy life and that nothing bad is going to happen and that it's all going to be good from here, unfortunately, that's not quite the intended meaning. You see, God does know every part of our life and he has everything in his control. He is orchestrating and he is holding us in his hands. But sin is also present in our world. And stuff happens, you know, bad stuff happens to good people. But what this scripture is saying and what one commentator, commentator says is that in the light of other scriptures, to be kept from all evil doesn't imply a cushion life, but a well-armed one, a well-armed life. I love that thought. What does it mean to be well-armed? To be well-armed, we have this book, this book gives us all we need. It gives us words of wisdom, words of hope, things to declare, things to speak out, things to put our trust in. We have prayer. We can go to God with whatever we're facing, and we can call on His name, and we can know that He hears, and that He answers, and that He's going to work on our behalf. We have the Holy Spirit inside of us, who is with us every moment of every day, guiding us, leading us, giving us comfort, giving us strength. We are well-armed, coming to church every Sunday with our body of believers joining together in unity and having one another to stand together. We are well armed with faith. Oh, I love this one. With faith as small as a mustard seed, we can move mountains. If that's not a superpower, what is? Come on. We've got mountain moving faith to be well armed for this life so that no matter what we face, no matter what comes our way, we can get through. We are well armed. Someone said to me in the first service, armed for harm. I like that, armed for harm. We're not believing for harm. But, you know, we are armed for whatever comes our way. And um, it's a great thing. It's a great thing. And, you know, just going back to that thought, another way we are well armed is to, as we keep our eyes on our Creator, as we look to God and we focus on God, God becomes that much bigger and our problems become that much smaller you know, keeping our focus on Him. And sometimes it's not till we get to the other side of whatever we're going through that we realize that God was with us in the middle, you know. Um, I think of that footprints poem where the man is walking on the beach and he's he's talking to God and he says, you know, um, I'm walking and there's two sets of footprints and one is God's and one is His. But then he says, but in my lowest moments, in my darkest times, in the hardest hours, there's only one set of footprints. God, where were you at that time? And God turns to him and he says, that was when I carried you. That was when I carried you. And that's what God does for each one of us. You know, we are well armed with God and he carries us through. There is, there is strength for the stretch when we know that we're well armed and that our keeper is at our side. Look to the creator and not the created. Know that we can sleep in peace because God is awake and know that we are well armed to face whatever life holds. The final thing that I want to share with you today is 
is that card that was on your seat, hopefully, that you've got. If you can find that, you might be sitting on it. It might be under your seat. If you didn't get one, don't worry. There'll be some of the info desk that you can grab on your way out if you'd like. This card, it says it's handled. It's handled, signed off God. Um, And really, the three points that we've just looked at, as we look to our Creator, who is always awake and has made sure that we are well-armed, can be summarized by the statement that it's handled. It is handled. What I want you to do as you're holding onto that card, I just want you to think about the one thing at the moment that you're going through that's your challenge, that's your big obstacle, that's the thing that's getting you down, that you're thinking about, that you can't seem to quite get past. And I want you to imagine that today, that right now, God himself gave you this card. He gave it to you. You knew it was from, from him. And he said it's handled. Maybe he gave it to you personally. Maybe he delivered it. I don't know. But you knew that God gave you this card. What difference would that make to your situation? What difference would it make to how you feel? Would it make you feel more at peace? Would it give you confidence? Would it take away some of the anxiety and some of the depression? Would it give you the confidence to take that next step that you need to take? Would it give you the power to forgive someone? Would it help you see beyond the situation? Whatever it might do, if God himself gave you this card and said it's handled, I want to tell you that today, that's our promise. That God does give each one of us this card. He says to each of us, it's handled. He says to Helen, it's handled. He says to Annie, it's handled. Trish, it's handled. Kathy, it's handled. It is handled. This is God's promise to us. He looks after us. He's watching over us. He's our helper. He's our keeper. If you're not sure, let me give you a few more scriptures just in case. Deuteronomy 31.6, for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. Isaiah 41.10, so do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Psalm 46.1, God is our refuge and our strength, our ever-present help in trouble. And 2 Corinthians 4, 8 and 9, we are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. Now we could go on, but you get the picture, right? It's handled. God's got it handled. He says to each one of us today, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're facing, it is handled. The musicians could come. That'd be great. You know, because God is in control, we don't have to be. And remember, God is always using our 